Uh, friends, let's turn to the Gospel of John to hear the story of Jesus at uh, the wedding in Cana. It comes to us from John chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. Let us listen together for God's word for us this day. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. When the wine ran out, Jesus' mother said to him, They don't have any wine. And Jesus replied, Woman, what does that have to do with me? My time hasn't come yet. His mother told the servants, Do whatever he tells you. And nearby were six stone water jars used for the Jewish cleansing ritual, each able to hold about 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, and they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some from them and take it to the head waiter, and they did. The head waiter tasted the water that had become wine. He didn't know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. The head waiter called the groom and said, everyone serves the good wine first. They bring out the second-rate wine only when the guests are drinking freely. You kept the good wine until now. This was the first miraculous sign that Jesus did in Cana of Galilee. He revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. After this, Jesus and his mother, his brothers, and his disciples went down to Capernaum and stayed there for a few days. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Amen. So it has been nearly 19 years, but I still remember clearly the details and joy of George and I's wedding day. While the wedding service itself was lovely and meaningful, I have to admit that even as a pastor, what sticks out most about that day was the party we threw afterwards. George had managed and lived at a bed and breakfast on the quieter southern end of the Riverwalk in San Antonio. And we had rented the place out for the weekend with all of our out-of-town family and friends staying there. We got a permit to close down that small street that dead-ended at the river and pitched a big white tent in the parking lot for dancing and a smaller one in the street for the food and drink with tables and chairs scattered all around. There were mariachis to kick the party off. Dear friends of mine who I grew up doing youth ministry with road tripped from, from Chicago with their AV equipment to DJ the event, which meant there were energizers. If you've ever been to a Presbyterian youth conference, then you will know that particular synchronized group dance tradition that is one of my favorite things. There was a paleta cart doling out Mexican ice cream popsicles. Our friends who we knew through the church I served in San Antonio owned a local restaurant in town and catered the event for us. And so there was also the largest vat of homemade guacamole I had ever seen before or since. Bryn would have been a happy camper at this party. The wedding was not a small affair, for in addition to all of our family and friends, 
We invited the congregation I served and the youth and families connected to the neighborhood youth program I ran at the time. Yet people from the church helped us to throw that grand shindig. Dee Dee, who worked her way through law school as a florist, did all of our flowers. Sylvia, whose sister-in-law had a cake-making business, sponsored our wedding cakes. And my dear Mama Ethel, my large and in charge right-hand woman at our weekly teen night events we hosted for our neighborhood youth, let me know she wanted to sponsor a specialty drink for our guests. Mama Ethel was bringing the sangria. I never learned the exact recipe for our wedding wine, nor did I ever see the full supply Ethel brought for our nearly 250 guests. But let me tell you, we never ran out. I will say that Ethel's sangria was made with those large glass jugs of Carlos Rossi wine, so I'm not so sure that it was of exactly the same caliber or quality of Jesus's vintage some 2,000 years earlier, but friends, there were plenty of it. There were also plenty of our guests who had purple-stained mouths and hangovers the next day, but on our wedding day, the party did not stop. We played music until almost 1 a.m., and I think our last guests who were staying on site finally turned in at about five in the morning. Jesus uses lots of metaphors in the Gospels to try and capture the kingdom of God. A banquet table is one of his favorites, and a modern-day block party just might be a translation of that image from the ancient Near East into our time. I know part of what made our wedding day so meaningful, you know, in addition to the lifelong covenant George and I made to one another, but y'all, that's a different sermon. Part of what made our wedding day so meaningful was the community of people gathered around us that came from so many different walks of life, so many different chapters of both of our lives, but we're all connected by the love we all shared that was so evident on that day. On that day, it felt like we caught a glimpse of the joy of the kingdom. One of this community's gifts is that you know how to throw a heck of a party. You know how to love openly and honestly you know how to welcome people in like family so that a new place suddenly feels like home. I have watched God widen the doors of your heart in my time here, and I trust that you will love any soul that finds their way here with a love that is genuine, a love that is radical, a love that knows no bounds and has no limits the love that we all know because of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Dear ones, our God needs the church, big church, universal church, but also the church, you. 
Our God needs the church to set a table that is long and wide with plenty of good food and drink and company so that others might feast on the love and grace God has for them. God needs the church, needs you to throw one heck of a party each time you gather where in the midst of the struggles and sorrows of this life, you can remember that you are not alone. You can hold fast to one another and to the God who gathers you. You can cry and laugh and dance and experience joy. God needs the church, needs you to embody the genuine, radical, unconditional powerful, never-give-up love of Jesus in a world who, like each of us, so desperately needs it. Which means God needs the church, needs you to heed the command that is most often uttered in Scripture. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. When I think about the time in my nearly 13 years of life here with you, where I have gotten lost, where I have found myself in a wilderness that I am unsure of how to traverse, it is when I have let my fear drive my proverbial bus. When I feared failure, when I have feared making people unhappy, when from a place of fear I have not trusted God's provision or God's plan. It is true for me as your pastor, and it is true for you as well. I love Mary in this story. You could hear it with me and the kids, right? She is such a mama here who knew her son so well who before anyone else had seen it, understood who he was and what he had been sent to do, and the power that she trusted coursed through his veins. I love how attentive she is to the status of the wine at the party, how she recognizes that they have run out and immediately knows that Jesus is the answer to the groom's scarcity problem. I love how she doesn't even ask Jesus directly just presents the problem to him and then trusts that he will act. It's easy for us to forget all the years that fell between Jesus' birth and the advent of his earthly ministry that is just beginning here at the wedding in Cana. How well Mary would have known Jesus. How she would have watched him grow over the years. Learn the heart of who he was, not just from Angel Gabriel's pronouncement over here, her, but in the day-to-day -day learning and growing that came in the midst of their everyday life together. How we traverse the wilderness times, the seasons of unknown, the times where we come face-to-face -face with empty jars and our limitations, is by knowing Jesus, by living and walking with him in the day-to-day -day 
so that we learn just how much we can trust him. How we need not fear empty jugs. How we can throw the party anyways. Because one way or another, we know Jesus will make sure the proverbial wine never runs out. You and I have lived and walked with Jesus together here for nearly 13 years now. For some of you, the party here at Heritage started long before that, while others of you have joined in more recently. But in the time that I was blessed to be a part of the party here, y'all, there have been so many instances where in the face of our fear, we have watched God provide all that is needed and more. When we have gotten lost along the way, it is when we have let our fear overpower our faith. Y'all, I know how easy it would be in this season of pastoral change to let fear overpower. But dear ones, I am here on this day to remind you to not, you need not be afraid. The Lord who can change water into wine, who can turn five loaves and two fish into a feast for 5,000, who can transform a body broken and blood poured out into abundant life for all people, is the Lord who started this party and the one who will see it through to that day when it is fully realized, when all people will take their place at it, that day when the kingdom has come and the party will continue on unto eternity. There are not words, not words enough to name how thankful I am that I got to be part of the party here for so many years. And as God sends me to take my place at another table on another block, it is already so clear to me that God has a plan both for me and for you. So when we feel afraid, may we all draw close to Jesus. Like Mary, may we name our worry and trust that the provision needed for the party to continue on will come. Amen.